$5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hello, my name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and this is Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Your quick look back at the WWE week that was, and what a was that week. We've had the aftermath of Crown Jewel, we've had Monday Night Raw setting up War Games, and we've had we've had NXT, but, but are we having NXT on this show? Because there's something else happened <laughs> that I simply must talk about instead of NXT. You have to, you have to listen to the show and find out. Anyway, uh, I'll get my socials out of the way because I always forget to do it at the end of the show. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at the TheDamnImplicat. That's Dam as in Dam. And I'll be over there checking stuff every now. I've, I've got my notifications on. I mostly just use it for DMs now. But I do want to start the show by talking about Smackers and <laughs> Smackdown, which aired last Friday. So let's get that underway immediately. Jump straight to it. No faffing about, Matt. And I know that you've already edited out most of what I've said here, so this is probably like 30 seconds in for you lot, but let's <laughs> bloody go. Let's bloody get on with it. Smackdown, the Ed, last Friday. Charlotte trying to fight out of this. Oscar and Bailey and Kyrie and Io Sky just mauling and attacking Charlotte. A four-on-one assault. The aftermath of Crown Jewel. We got a whole episode of... I, mean, I think aftermath is actually just the perfect word for it, really. Because Survivor Series is right around the corner, it's all Monday Night Raw, really. SmackDown's got the women's match building up to it, which uh, we'll get to through the main event. But for the men's side of it, there's not a lot going on. There's no Roman. There's no titles on SmackDown. <laughs> which is just to kind of emphasize the bad side of Logan Paul winning the United States Championships. But I was personally somebody calling for it because it's the perfect kind of title to put on the perfect kind of guy at that point. However, that does mean you've now got neither man's championship on the show. <laughs> there's no title whenever Roman's not there, which is quite a lot. And there's no title which is when Logan Paul's not there, which is even more. So there are now, on the regular, no men's titles. <laughs> that's it. Because well, the, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships are held with the Undisputed stuff on Monday Night Raw as well. So there's legitimately no men's titles on SmackDown when there's no Roman and no Logan Paul which is often. <laughs> At least there's, a, there's enough stuff going on, so it's not like the Vince era where that would be utter panic mode. What do we do? Oh, let's do some form of superstar shaky shake <laughs> or something. It's just interesting. And I think the I think the telling thing is I didn't really notice it because it's the aftermath of Crown Jewel. So there's a lot of stuff to address and a lot of pieces to set onto the next track anyway. And because this show is absolutely full of that, you don't really notice it. I'll be interested to see if it feels the same next week. What helps that Survivor Series is right around the corner. So we've got, what, two more episodes and then it's Survivor Series, I think. It's full gear this weekend. So we've got a, really not got that long turnaround, which is why they're blitzing it towards Survivor Series, the build on Monday Night Raw. But yeah, you don't really notice it. I guess that's my main thing, is suddenly realising, oh yeah, there's, no, there's going to be no male champions on this show for long periods now. 
And this is your A show. <laughs> like how, in, how weirdly interesting is that for me? And, and the reason it's interesting because there's enough stuff going on that you don't notice. When this has happened in the past, the shows have felt empty because that meant that the guys that were just spinning their plates suddenly had to take centre stage and that's when it really hit you <laughs> that oh god no these guys are just spinning their plates this is nowhere near as interesting <laughs> but with uh, the Triple H era there's stuff going on they've all got they all main event like a show on Smackdown anyway with this stuff because not every story is meant to be like a big match on a pay-per-view Triple H seems to understand that that doesn't mean that every show is amazing <laughs> just, there are quite a, quite a few times I've watched Monday Night Raw and I've gone yep yeah, that was the show you know, with the when there's a massive direction to go to, he's really good at keeping different plates spinning all over the card, which then means when the main guys need a bit of a downer, and it's like they need a bit of a down period, he's right there, bringing it right back. Anyway, so we, we got in our aftermath of Crown Jewel, we got Carlito versus Bobby Lashers, which I know, that, what are you talking about? Neither of those guys were on Crown Jewel. This is bouncing off of the Rey Mysterio stuff after he loses his title. Santos Escobar and Rey Rey have um, on different sides of this. They're getting a little bit pissed here at each other. Santos Escobar getting, starting to get annoyed that Rey Rey was blaming Logan Paul when he was the one. And Carlito coming down like, no, you left the knuckles on the ring apron. <laughs> Santos, <laughs> it's your fault. And then out comes Bobby Lashers with his heel team. Uh, it's it's really weird for me to say that it doesn't feel like the not hurt business. It feels like it's not a hundred percent working. And part of me, I'm going to use a bit of a a bit of a comparison. We'll see how much it works. <laughs> it's a bit like VAR in the Premier League. It's the Street Profits turning heel, <laughs> where they're half doing it, but they half still want the way it originally was before, so they're not fully committed either way. And that then means that you end up in this weird middle ground where you either fully embrace it or you just don't do it at all. So they're now in this really weird place where they're not quite getting what they, the response they should be getting. It's not quite working as well as it should do. When in reality, they just need to fully embrace it and fully go. And then it will be perfectly fine. It's my little van on VAR in the Premier League. <laughs> What's crazy is you just need to watch rugby and you see it. You see how they use their version of VAR and it's just like, yeah. Why are football be this? <laughs> just do it. Just, I'm not saying use the rules of rugby. I'm saying use the lessons learned in how to incorporate the technology and how much to trust it and to really give a lot of sway to the people who are watching it back because they can just comment on the little things and tell you stuff. Either fully commit or don't do it at all. <laughs> it's the same with the Street Profits <laughs> with this heel, this weird heel turn. Which ta- seemingly it's taken them, just like the Premier League, a really long time to start to properly embrace VAR. <laughs> they're really not embracing their heel turn. They're taking ages, and it's weird because it feels like this should be a home run. And now the li- as as each little piece gets added, if you like, it's like yes, these are all positive notes. The latest stuff being that they really are coming to the ring, dressed in a new way. They've got the new theme music. They've now dropped that. It's just like it's really weird that they kept all of these little details for so long. When just jumping in with both feet, I feel like would have had a much bigger success. Obviously, I can say that now, seeing all the little pieces are working. And personally, once they get a strong story, I feel like now all the pieces are there. They spent this amount of time losing a lot of momentum, but getting it right. So now they could possibly go through something through Royal Rumble WrestleMania season. And they got Bobby Lashley, who can very quickly, just with a, even like a one month, even just like if you use December to get him back up to the title picture for a Roman Bobby match at Royal Rumble, you know, just someone that Roman can beat. But maybe that might elevate Bobby Lashley back into the picture, or at least in the minds of the fans, lift him back up from where he currently is, because he's he's currently not at that level. But you know, he can use December and then January, and he can get him there. 
He's pretty quick to elevate his Bobby Lashley. You don't need to put, you know, you don't need to think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, battle notes on that. Anyway, I need to move off them quickly because the main drama came with the LWO with the split that was there initially at the start and kind of just escalated a bit by the actions of Carlito Escobar and Ray Ray. When later Escobar turns on Ray Ray, and this is where and uh, attacking him to the steel steps and uh, doing an old shouty shout, <laughs> given the exposition that I gave at the start of this bit. But it's it's interesting because it's not LWO turns on Ray Ray, as I saw quite a few thumbnails doing <laughs> very clearly. Santos Escobar's uh, turning on Ray. He's annoyed. Zelina Vega is shout telling him, "What are you doing?" Like, no, this is not the way we, we I'd want to settle this argument. <laughs> like, no, what are you doing? If uh, Selena Vega's there to represent the, all of the others of LWO so that you're not overcrowding the shot, <laughs> so you've not got Carlito and the other two lads. Yeah, if you, if you don't have three more people crowding up the screen, you just have Selena Vega represent everybody. You get the message. Like, okay, she's representing the LWO and these are the two people having the different sides of the spat. It's not... LWO turns on Ray. It's Santos Escobar turns on Ray. Because I don't know if that means that Santos Escobar is going to be breaking off onto his own, or if it's literally just, well, what if we had two people within a faction turn on each other, and then the rest of the faction has to decide how they feel about it? Personally, that's interesting. Of course, I have no idea which way they're going. WWE often airs for the more simplistic method of telling the story. Sometimes their competition decides to do it too complicated and it just dies. <laughs> so sometimes complicated isn't the way. Uh, moving on to things that are pretty simple. They just ran Dragon Lee versus Cedric Alexander again. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess. Why not? They ran it last week. Why not just do it again? It's the game of Cedric Alexander doing everything he can to make Lee look as good as possible. And hey, it worked last week, so... Just run it again. Like, repeat matches aren't quite as bad if the whole show isn't littered with them. And that, that was the problem with the Vince era. The whole show was absolutely littered with this stuff. And this is if this is, like, the only, like, full one, where <laughs> it's a full rematch, then that is absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Uh, also, LA Knight off the back of Crown Jewel was given the mic freedom to really run down Grayson Waller, telling him that he looked like the kind of guy who would hang around uh, colleges. <laughs> he said, oh, well, like, I'll, I'll give you a good education, or I'll let you have a good college job, but you look like the kind of guy who would hang around colleges, you dirty perv, <laughs> or something like that. But it's the kind of insult that he used to get in the pre-PG era of WWE that had just died off. What's acceptable on TV in America is still incredibly strict. <laughs> Especially as an English person, we're over here, once it hits 9pm, you can say whatever word you want. Like, you want to get your dick out? But, yeah, but only after 9pm. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And everyone goes, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You have a whole period of television where everyone's allowed to enjoy it. Doctor Who airs at 7pm. But 9pm hits, you can swear all you want, you can have as much sex and nudity as you want, and everyone knows that at 9pm is when the cutoff is. So there's no complaining of, oh, this wasn't suitable for my kids. Yeah, that's why this known thing exists. <laughs> to, to break, kind of brag that out. And we need to move on to the main event. Bailey, Io, and Kyrie Sane. Kyrie Sane back in the WWE versus Bianca Asuka and Charlotte Flair. And this was an absolutely fine main event. It didn't feel that heated to me. It was kind of just happening. It was a nice bounce back from Crown Jewel. And I was like, you know what? I'm perfectly happy for this to main event, especially if you're living in a world with no male champions. It makes all the sense in the world to put the spotlight on the women's division, which has got champion a champion. So that means you have got a champion main eventing the show, which really does help. It helps quell that problem I was having at the talk about at the start of this show. It's like there's no champion. Well, there's still a champion in the main event, so that kind of helps quell that feeling just automatically. In the match, Asuka refused the tag, then hit the mist in Bianca's face, doing a complete turn on her teammate. 
Asuka hugs Io and Kyrie before eventually letting Bailey in on the party who was hesitant on the rings. I go, wait, are you, are my people also turning on me? But no, it's the damage control becoming even more powerful. And then you have your lineup, Bailey, Io, Kyrie, Asuka, and possibly Dakota if she's fit. They could be your five, four Survivor Series for female war games. As soon as I saw that, I was like, yes, this is a really good establishing of the villain side for the team for war games. It feels legit where this could feel like a force that stay together a bit, or this is the genuine, this is the first we're seeing of the three Japanese women all linking together into their own group, and this could be the start of the end of Damage Control. Because I much prefer something being the start of the end of something, that I'll talk about with Roman last week, than, ah, swerve, moment, now we're going in this direction. It was like, plant the seed for it to happen. <laughs> make it make sense in your world. There'll be some people who complain about it being predictable, That's but that's confusing foreshadowing and telling you if things going to happen then it happening, which is what AEW do all the time. The problem with AEW is they sometimes take too long to tell the story. Like The, the, the amazing phrase, uh, I'm nicking it from Luke Owen of WrestleTalk, <laughs> but the amazing phrase of, this is not long-term storytelling, this is a story that has taken a long time to tell. <laughs> and the, the, AEW do that so often, that sometimes it was something a pipe, we go, oh yes, you were doing that story, weren't you? Uh, but anyway, the main event for SmackDown, it was a perfectly fine tag match with an ending that genuinely caught me off guard. As soon as it ends, like, oh, you're going into war games. Oh, okay, cool. But I didn't know that at the start of the match. Because I'm not on social media. I don't know what's happening. I legitimately, I watch SmackDown, I make my notes. I talk about it on this show. And I just forget about it. <laughs> like, I'm not that invested. This is kind of, it really does help for me to analyse the show more as a show. With my critical thing. And like, often if I talk about the production and whatnot. I mean, if we talk about it on that note as well, it's a perfectly paced show. What really helped is it was addressing part after part in the aftermath of Crown Jewel. Because the main event as well, obviously addressing the fact that EO is still champion. This was a very strong show in that regard. It felt like a show fitting following what had happened. A decent smackers. Well done, WWE. Anyway, let's now move on to Monday Night Raw. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Oh my goodness! Drew McIntyre is out here! He goes to Christmas Pass! Claymore! A Claymore to Uso! And Monday Night War, once again, all about the Judgment Day. But this time, it's also integrated with the other team for War Games, also sorting out all of their shit. So you got, especially as Cody with Champion as well, realising he's certain things to address. And you got Seth Rollins with his aftermath of Crown Jewel still piping about as well. I mean, the big note from the show was the story, not just with uh, Seth and Cody squashing their beef, but also with Drew and Seth. There was a backstage segment, I mean, actually, no, before that, <laughs> before that you had Cody introducing his team for Wargazers, making it official. Then you had Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn versus uh, Dom Mysterio and JD McDonough. A match that went through an ad break and then ended in a DQ. 
And again, it's not something I'm a massive fan of. You could have hit the same story beat by just having a brawl happen after the talky bit at the start of the show. Because they had the whole good team out and then Judgment Day come out. They have all chitter-chatter. Then they have this tag team match. Tag team match goes through an ad break. Then you come back and it ends in a DQ and all the guys come out. And that leads to Adam Pearce banning everybody from the arena. When he can cut out this entire match and hit the same narrative beat. But it's a three-hour show. And with the way that they kind of built out the rest of the show, whatever would have filled this spot would have been at the aren't as hot or over so you end up with Seth and, Seth and Sammy in action, which then sets Seth up for the rest of the show relatively well. I mean, in terms of the kind of narrative flow of the show, it's like you take, you're going in one direction and you put it right back. It's like, oh, that actually feels like a waste of time. <laughs> you wasted 10 to 15 of my minutes. <laughs> That's only if you care about the narrative, though, because it did character-wise set up Seth. One of my friends wants to make a video with me about people using the word filler wrong. <laughs> it can't be filler if there's tons and tons of character work that feeds into the rest of the show. <laughs> but um, at least this, set, this did set Seth up for the rest of the show. I mean, there would be a way to do it without that being an issue. You could, you could have Adam Pearce say it in a certain way or whatever. It takes little changes. My point being that that made, gave reasons for Seth to be in the state that he was when he was backstage later. So you had... Drew McIntyre showing respect to Seth Rollins, just saying, you know what, you are a champion that is adding a lot of prestige to this title by the way you are defending and holding it, and showing him that respect. Then we have Seth and Cody squashing their beef as well for War Games, to say that we're not going to like each other, probably will never like each other, but for one night, can we just put it to a side? And they both agree to do so, have a little chum chum with that Cody, off you go to your match, and he's like... Off I go. <laughs> I might be paraphrasing. <laughs> Do I watch these shows, really? <laughs> uh, but that also is setting up what happened in the main event, which was the Raw Tag Team Championships on the line. Cody and Jay Uso fighting against Balor and Priest in their rematch. And this all set up the idea that can the Judgment Day defend when everybody who is involved in War Games is not allowed to interfere? Which would leave Rhea Ripley, but they're doing everything they can to, to not have Rhea Ripley tangle with the big lads. Because, again, it is cool when Rhea Ripley destroys a dude. It gets an amazing reaction. But it does set up fans maybe wanting to see that happen more often. And they're not going to do intergender matches. So it makes a lot more sense to just quell any expectancy and just not do it. It's a level of restraint, which is good. But anyway, this was setting up a Drew McIntyre heel turn. The match became heated, and it enters the normal flow of the match. But this time, there can be no interference. Because the teams are both banned. And we know that Ray Ripley's not going to interfere. So this match is going to have to go normally. Nope, they set up an interference. <laughs> Down comes Drew McIntyre for his heel zone. This was, it's one of those where we go, oh, of course, yeah, they wouldn't be interference anyway. So it's technically the same. However, this was at least the payoff to something that had been set up for months. Or at least a, at least over a month. This is, if you're going to do it like this, this is how you do it. You build that expectancy of fans that Judgment Day will just win by cheating or interference or something. Then you set up a situation where that cannot happen. Then, this thing that's been built up in the background with Drew McIntyre finally pays off. So that if you're going to treat it as if you're trying to not do the repeat booking, only to swerve off, no, we do, we're going to do this anyway. But you use that as an opportunity to pay off a story you've been doing for ages, rather than just because on the night. I mean, it's, it's not how I would do this stuff. However, if you're going to do it, this is how you'd do it. If you simply must, this is how I would do it. I feel like I'm speaking the same stuff that I was speaking for SmackDown. Like, uh, that, yes, I personally may not have written this in this way in terms of what I like, in terms of how I like to structure my narratives. However, if you go to do it this way, this is a really great example of how to do it. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that you've been setting this up, you've laid the groundwork. It's not just a thing that's happened. It's like, no, no, this has been built up for months. 
And this is the payoff of something. It's not just on the night setting up a way. Like you have Ray Ripley just talking to somebody and the commentary goes, oh, why are they talking to them? The next week, you're like, oh, why are they lying? Do they part of the stable? And the person comes out and they're like, no, they paid me money. And that's that. We're not together. We're not working in any way. Now back to my storyline. <laughs> it's just like, that, is, that, no, that doesn't happen under Triple H. If they're going to do that, they'll set that up like at least a couple of weeks in advance before then doing it. Things don't just happen. Even if it's like minor character stuff, there's normally something. Anyway, that was Monday Night Raw. Not a lot really to talk about outside of that. The main focus is still building war games for Judgment Day and Team Cody Rhodes. Oh, there's a main... Realised <laughs> it's before I went sad off. The animosity on the other side, because Drew McIntyre's really related to the good guy side and all that paying off. But on the flip side, during the start of the show when they were having their little battle, Priest was drawn into the heat. He got a little hot. Seth Rollins was goading him and goading him. I know it was it Cody? Was goading him and goading them to say, well, who's who's the lead then? Just saying that it's Ripley, that no one together. Oh, is it not Ripley then? Who is it? Who's the lead? Can't be Dom. No, it can't be Dom. It can't be, no, it can't, it can't be JD. <laughs> Which Priest eventually just has enough. So I'm the leader. And that, of course, causes Finn Balor to have a reaction. Backstage later, Priest is like, well, I didn't mean it. I just got caught up in the moment. To which Ripley then replies, but that does suit as well for war games. It makes sense that you can be the captain for this match if everyone agrees to this. Of course, everyone says yes, but it is setting up the fact that Finn maybe isn't happy about how this has all gone down. Just building on that animosity so that on the night, the fans are expecting an outcome. But you can use that expectancy of the outcome to go two ways. And I think I talked about this a few weeks ago where you've now set up two worlds where either War Games is used to establish Judgment Day as this top amazing force and now the next thing to do is to crown Priest as champion to really cement them as this top dominating force because you've been using all the characters talking about how bad it would be if Judgment Day owned all of the championships. On this show they defended the tag titles, War Games they can win and really build some momentum then he can really do the threat of cashing in. And Sammy is really directing the fact that Judgment Day are all about power and how bad it would be if some like Judgment Day did capture that power. What happens if they capture the power? <laughs> what happens, guys? <laughs> Don't just use this to be like, yay, they defeat the power. What if you're using it to set up the other way? And War Games isn't used as Finn Balor and Damien Priest finally having enough of each other, but it's more used to cement them as the force going forwards. To really prime them ready. That's what I personally would do. I'd have used all of this setup to put it into the minds about how bad it would be if they were the champ- if they all held all of the gold and all of the power, and I'd then give them all of the gold and all of the power. <laughs> it's good world building. It's good stuff. Uh, I almost forgot to talk about that. <laughs> it's one of my favourite parts of this storyline at the moment. Anyway, with that done, I mean, there was NXT. NXT happens. At one point, Otis got creepy with Lash Legend to the approval of the dirty NXT Floridian crowd. Go have a shower, you pervs. <laughs> but... However, something else happened this week, (laughs) and I feel like, rather than going in detail on a show where not really a lot happened, I don't have a lot to say about, I instead want to talk about something that I have a lot to say about. (laughs) So let's end this show on a massive high. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite and the Light A Dragon Street Fight. Looking to slam Fletcher through, I think that that sign is propped up on some chairs and... Oh, wait a second. Uh, Fletch- no, no, no. no. Oh, my this God. Be- yes, no. yes, yes. No, this cannot happen. He's got to no. stop it. He's got to stop it. Please. Oh, no. Oh, I broke Abushi's back no. right there. Uh, mate. I am an absolutely massive uh, Ryugo Gotoku fan. Yeah, so I'm a massive fan of the games. Uh, Yakuza 0 was the first one that I played on the uh, PlayStation 4. 
that was, to be nice and confusing, that was a PlayStation 3 release in Japan, but by the time it got translated for the West, it was now time to be a PlayStation 4 game, and we're like a couple of years in. And there was a time where these games took like two years to come out, two, three years to come out to the West, and now it's same time. <laughs> and they're doing this huge marketing campaign tied in with AEW. Like, so much has changed within the past, uh, like, eight years of this franchise. Uh, but it's Yakuza 0, for me... It, if if you, if you were convinced by this match, you're like, what is this thing? If the marketing worked, and like, why are these guys so willing to integrate this match, this uh, brand into their match so much? Because that absolutely jumped out to me in this match. Like, oh, I think these guys are fans of these games as well. Because <laughs> it wasn't just the fact that there was the branding stuff around. They were doing things from the games. <laughs> like, for me, the big example was Dikesha using the bicycle. He wasn't just using the bicycle. He was using the bicycle like the beast mode, which is the fighting style in Yakuza 0, to swing it about. I think it's the same for Kiryu Kazuma when he's the main character of the games. When he's fight, when you pick up a bike in the game, because you can use environmental weapons. So you've got all the different things they use as well. Like these little coloured crates. Yeah, you press circle, you pick them up and whack someone with it <laughs> in those games. Or you press triangle to do a special whack. Phrasing. <laughs> but... They are. I feel like that's an amazing bit to clip. <laughs> but yeah, you've got those little crates and stuff, and you've got the signs as well. You can't do a tombstone off the apron through them. <laughs> but you can crash one over one guy's head. So it's like an inverse tombstone, I guess, <laughs> in a way. I, I just loved everything about it. There's so many references to it. It just hit me. It's like, oh, this just isn't like an integrated brand thing like you've seen in WWE with it, or, or in AW as well. We had the dragon versus dragon thing to ha- to hype up House of the Dragon. Which, again, that's another one that I personally loved, but that, the actual match itself had nothing to do with with like anything to do with the show. <laughs> Obviously, they just had an amazing technical match in Daniel Garcia versus uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, but with this one, it felt like yes, it's the culmination of a of mini heated stuff, but it also felt like a like a dragon love letter <laughs> in a way. Like uh, a lot of these guys came across a fan, as either as fans of the thing, or there was at least one person within them, maybe Kenny Omega. <laughs> uh, but also the the games are centred in an imaginary district of Tokyo, but they're almost like a really strong tourist destination type of game. As in, if you've been to Tokyo and you play these games, you'll be like, oh God, that is them. Oh, that, that really is them. It's even got the guys handing out the tissues. <laughs> like it, it really is them. And... It's apparently a really strong tourist destination kind of field game. So if you play those games, it's like a holiday to Tokyo. You get to experience all the food. And all the. there's another thing as well. The games themselves are full of branding. And apparently it was really controversial when it first came out. As in, it's real food from real restaurants. And you can use that as marketing money. Because they're making a fake render, essentially, of a district of Tokyo. Then you can... Then... I'm trying to think of way. You, you, you integrate the real shops to make the place feel real, but that also works as marketing for those real shops that are in these games played by loads of people. <laughs> so it's a it's a win win. Yeah, but yeah, with the references, I also love the signs, uh, the posters they made for this. Where uh, shout out to Murray, just because I hadn't seen these till he shared them <laughs> with a few of us. But oh, the 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 big show one was the first one I saw, and it's still my favourite. Where it just says "Massive Man." <laughs> it's got the picture of the thing, but in the games. It'll be, somebody will be talking, then it'll go, dun dun, and it'll have their name come across it. It's like, shoo, well, it's like a really cool thing. So when I see that poster, it's like, shoo, Paul White, massive man. <laughs> that just really made me laugh. <laughs> oh, that was possibly my favourite one. 
But yeah, oh, the, it's all good. And it's the fact they did that and on the show itself when they were walking to the building all in their suits and it's this slow motion kind of thing. I'm like, to anyone who's not played these games, to anyone who doesn't know anything about like a, like a dragon guy, like a dragon guiding. <laughs> I keep forgetting that it's because it's the flashbacks stuff for Kiryu leading into the next game. Oh, this when I say it's got complicated, when you play the games themselves, they're so they're slowly paced enough where it's entirely understandable. And the plots in these games are some of the best. Like Yakuza Zero is up there for one of the best stories I've ever played in video games. I'm rating it that highly. <laughs> like for me, from PlayStation Four, I'm talking for me. My two the two best stories are probably Yakuza Zero and The Witcher Three. It's that good. <laughs> like one moment you'll be doing everything you can to help take a pizza to this couple who find love through delivery of pizza. <laughs> Something really weird. And next thing, you're caught up in a weird, in a really complex murder mystery involving uh, like a, an empty lot and a murder that happened there. But it's all different people have the investments in the lot and uh, the ramifications of a murder happening on this specific lot because of all the different inve- interested parties. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's so well done. And some of the best, um, I would say best lip sync animation stuff is it's some of the the characters feel so real, but a lot of it's because of the performances and what really helps is the culture it was made in, where the voice acting world in Japan is taken with such respect that it means you can get performances like this from such great actors and it really translates into the games with the uh, face capture technology or at least the lip sync rendering technology. Uh, anyway, this is me just gushing about uh, the real guy Gorgo games. <laughs> I, I love them so much. Um, Oh, and also this so this that's why I was going back on it. This series is it's in a transitional period from being this broadly fighty game, which is what this one is, uh, like an action beat 'em up, compared to it's now switched to turn based for the main line. But they've started including spin off titles or at least a running story where you can still do the beat 'em up style because it's still remained popular there's still an audience for it, even though they've been doing that game since PlayStation 3. Turns out fans aren't bored of it. (laughs) They're still happy to have more. So, oh, that's kind of cool. Anyway, with the four of them walking to the arena in suits, just like a slow motion shot from the actual thing itself, you had Takesh just swinging, or like a John Woo movie (laughs) from the 80s. Can't remember what it's called, but he did a film in the 80s, which I have watched. Can't remember the name of it. Uh, John Woo did a film in the 80s where they all wore, wore the long trench coats and the black uh, with the black tie and the shades and apparently it was such a massive hit in Hong Kong that it became like a huge fashion trend it started to become associated like with the youth because they all started dressing like that after <laughs> it happened it's like yeah. and uh, it, was, it was a Yakuza movie as well oh, and I found that interesting <laughs> just that um that he took off like that, and that's still associated somewhat with the accuser of this. Of course, not the trench coat, but the suit, at least. Anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> so you had four of them walking to the arena in their suits. You had Takesh just swinging the bicycle like he's activated beast mode. You had the swings of, with those little coloured crates, a Ibushi pile driven through the light-up sign. Paul White slammed on a Hyundai. <laughs> like it was... Oh, it, it was so much stuff in there. Uh, like as soon as I saw the Hyundai, I was just kind of like, "What is this? A creepy nuts video?" <laughs> just, just, the sponsor, the the logo of the car in full shots here. I was like, "Have they 
have they done what the Vega Gotsku games do and they've taken a sponsorship and just put it front, right and centre in the middle of this? <laughs> that would have been great. I mean, I mean that's what I'd do. If I know I'm going to have a like a slam on a car spot, I'd make sure it's my car that's being slammed on to show the strength of my car and the fact that the windshield doesn't crack. Look, it can take a massive man landing on it. <laughs> it's literally his nickname now. <laughs> the massive man fed on this car and it's fine. Bye, Hyundai. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh, awesome. I mean, poor, poor Paul. That looked brutal. That landing. That looked like it really hurt. But oh, poor lad, poor lad. But anyway, anyway, this was such a fun watch with so many Yakuza slash like a dragon references. Uh, the slash is because the series was called Yakuza, but that's not actually a translation because it more translates to like a dragon. I say more, it just does. <laughs> so. It's a much, much better translation, even though it's going to be confusing now, because now you're trying to get new people into the games, but it was called Yakuza, and now switching to Like a Dragon. <laughs> it's it's going to become confusing, but if you start here, you're absolutely fine. Like, this is not a bad time to start with, especially as Yakuza 0, just like this game that they're advertising, Yakuza 0 was a flashback game set in the 80s, and it's amazing. It's got discotheques and everything. <laughs> Uh, with all the other stuff I talked about, like the slow-paced storytelling with the serious dun-dun reveal of a name, and then the slow scene of people talking and explaining stuff, but you, oh, you care so much, it's so dramatic. <laughs> and then and the next thing you know, you're 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 tearing it down in the discotheque. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting those pizzas to that couple so quickly. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I've, I've not talked about half the crazy crap in that game. <laughs> Wait till you accuse a six. There's some weird stuff in there. Oh, I say wait till you see all of them. Why am I singling out that one? <laughs> it's all got weird. Uh, yeah, anyway, long story short, I know I now own, I now own all of the games. <laughs> I own every single one of them. Uh, I actually well, I don't own a PS5, so I don't own Ishii. Tangent, tangent. Yeah, I like this series a lot, and I absolutely adored this match. This match was my everything. <laughs> well, because I was just expecting a sponsored match, and then when the Sutton Boy sign kind of came up. Because the games have gone to Osaka quite often. So when it came up with the Salt and Boy District, I was like, well, one, I've not paid enough attention to know it we're going back to uh, Osaka. So that's quite nice. But also it's just the fact that the whole screen was rendered with the street of Salt and Boy. <laughs> and I just absolutely uh, adored that site as they're then brawling on the stage. It's like, oh, well, first off, that was massive. And then I saw all the stuff around inside. Next thing I know, Kota Bushi's on a bike to the ring. Next thing, after that, Takesh just swinging that bike, just like in the games. <laughs> it's like, this is great. <laughs> I love this so much. Uh, and for everyone else, I'm assuming it was just fun. Like, a lot of it may be silly nonsense, like Kota Bushi down the ring, really softly hitting people with a nine pipe and bumping like mad for him. <laughs> it's just, I, oh, I love wrestling bollocks like that. <laughs> so, I find it so fun. Uh, Oh, yeah, I can't miss out that Abuchi took a brain buster onto the bike. That, that looked brutal. He had the uh, tie mark on him afterwards. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh Abuchi, you crazy man. Then he took a tombstone power drive off the apron through a uh, sign. <laughs> the, the signs outside the restaurants with lights, all light bulbs kind of all arching all around them. And he took a bump right through the middle of one. <laughs> crazy, crazy man. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely adored this. And again, I could call it, there's a mini love of these games in there, but of course there's a love of Japan. You had Takeshita, Omega and Ibushi all in this match that possibly really helps with the, kind of deliver those vibes. I mean, you've got three DDT legends in this match. <laughs> like if you're going to do a little bit of nonsense, 
you in strong hands. <laughs> strong hands with those three. Uh, but that was the Like a Dragon Street fight. I didn't want to talk about AEW as a whole, uh, even though I really enjoyed the show, it, it, which is great because I've been a little bit wibbly wobbly with AEW, so, like from Wembley all the way to Full Gear. I was uh, I've not been. Well, that's enough. I've enjoyed the pay per views, but I've not been that hot on the actual sh- like week to week shows. I've even drifted off to like last week. I only watched Collision. Like, it's been quite often where I'd only watched one, and it was Collision beforehand. For some reason, I was recently drawn a bit more to Collision, and I don't know why that was. It was since, well, since Punk's gone, I've actually enjoyed Collision loads, and Dynamite's been the one that I've kind of sometimes just faulted off with a little bit. Don't know what it is. This week, though, absolutely banging. <laughs> absolutely loved it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a vote of confidence to watch AEW Dynamite. You can skip NXT this week. <laughs> I mean, unless you really want to know who qualifies for the matches at deadline. Like, if you really want to know. <laughs> if you really want to know who's in there in the la- with the Sands Ladder King of the Mountain match. <laughs> that are the matches at deadline. If you want to know, so badly, you can watch it, but... AW was setting. It was obviously going to be way more hot because it's a go home show for a pay per view. So obviously it's not quite the <laughs> the same comparison to make, but still, this was so fun. And I, as a massive fan of these games, I loved the like a dragon street fight. It was my everything. Uh, interesting to know how people who don't know any anything about these games would have taken it. But for me, it was it went fell into that realm of absolutely silly fun nonsense. Like a match, like a DDT match, and he had th- he had three DDT pros in there, so like it was, it felt like it was always going to swing hard. Anyway, that brings me to the end of the show, and honestly, one of my swiftest recordings in terms of like actually just getting through the stuff and not tangenting too much. So hopefully, the edit's a little bit easier. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Next thing I know, this comes out at twenty minutes long. <laughs> I still have to cut out over half of it. But anyway, thank you for listening, liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciated. Never taken for granted. And with that, I say, listen to all the other shows here on Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio with Richard James, All Things Elite with Floyd, Wrestling Art with Chris Things, with Chris Things, and Keeping It Strong Style with Jeremy Donovan and Young Boy Joshua Smith. And with that, I bid with you. Adios. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.